continuing series, New Year, New Heart, New Life, New Hope. All of those are in Christ. Um, shared some things with you last week where I said there will be a little bit of overlap, and I think I was okay with that. So we're going to start off without letting you down, because I'm a man of my word. I'm starting off with the probably most obvious overlap, and it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You and I were made brand new when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We were made new by Christ. We have indeed received a new heart, a new life, and a new hope. And today, we're going to be talking about the good news of our new hearts. I would say this is good news, wouldn't you? Can we agree to that? This is good news? Okay, good. Uh, I said last week, and I think it applies this week as well, that sometimes we forget, or at least we take for granted, what Christ did for us and what we have in Christ. So for the next three weeks, we're going to continue to take a look at each of these, the new heart, the new life, the new hope. And I pray that each week you will be coming in with new ears to hear about your new heart, your new hope, and your new life. The heart is a vital organ for the body. Can we agree to that? Yeah. There are a lot of things that you can live without. What's something you can live without? Okay, you can live without your appendix. Nobody even knows what that is for. It's just there, and you don't need it until it bursts, and then all of a sudden you definitely don't need it, and it's bad news. What else can you live without? Okay, you can live without your gallbladder. Yeah. What else can you live without? Hair. You can live without hair. Amen. You can, you can live without your spleen. What, what are some other things we can live without? What are some body parts we can live without? You can, yeah, you can survive with just one kidney. You don't need both of them. All right? Yeah, you can, you can survive without a finger or without a hand. You can still live missing an arm or missing a leg or both legs. Or, you know, there are a lot of things we can live without, but you cannot live without your heart. It is impossible to live without your heart. The heart is a vital organ for the body. Um, when the heart gets sick, the whole body suffers. When the heart grows weak, when it doesn't function properly, fatigue sets in, weakness, shortness of breath, even death come upon when your heart's not working properly. There are some things like open heart surgery and heart transplants that give people second chances in life where a tired, lifeless body, a tired, worn-out heart, it gets a new lease on life. It's strengthened with, with stents and all kinds of stuff. I can't even go into pretending like I know what they are, but I've seen it work in people's lives, in some of your lives. I've seen it work. And, and, and that, that body gets new hope, a new lease on life. Dreams that were lost, that, that you thought, I'm never going to be able to do that, or you're able to do those things again. New life, new energy, new zeal, a whole new outlook on life when your heart gets sick. We each need a heart. There's no doubt to that. As a matter of fact, even in the 1930s, they knew that you needed a heart. The classic movie, or I guess it was a movie, TV show, I don't know what it was originally, but The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland, the tin man needed something. What did he need? A heart. He even sang about all the things he could do. If he only had a heart, I'd sing, but I was informed in Sunday school I'm not allowed. But he sang his song about a heart. And, and he sang this song. He said, in this song he sang, he could be compassionate if he only had a heart. He would be able to care well if he only had a heart. He talked about he would be able to have relationship. He would be able to 
to appreciate birds singing and, and all kinds of different things if he only had a heart. Well, you and I don't have that problem because God created each of us with a heart, both physically and spiritually. He gave us a heart. We were born with good hearts in both of those categories, by the way. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, we started to wander. Somewhere along the way, with our new hearts, physically and spiritually, we began to, to stray. You might even say some of you, some of you, began to rebel. Okay, I did too. Spiritually and physically, we stray, we rebel. And we choose to rebel and we sinned against God. We broke his commandments. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't break all of them. Well, no, but you broke some. We missed the mark. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. And so we broke his commandments. Our spiritual hearts became sick. Our spiritual hearts became filled with darkness. They became, they became clogged with sin, much like in your physical heart. If you don't take care of it, you build up plaque inside your arteries. And so when that happens, your, your physical heart gets clogged and it gets sick. The same thing has happened with our spiritual hearts. When we allow that to happen unchecked, we begin to suffer. And we, we, eventually we die spiritually. Jeremiah 17.9 says this about the heart. This is a hard saying, by the way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Wow, Jeremiah, that hurts. Folks, once we start down that sin-filled road, the way just gets darker and darker, and our hearts begin to grow sicker and sicker with every sin to the point that we become slaves to our sin, and our hearts become clogged with this spiritual disease that's called sin, and our heart is deceitful, desperately sick. We can't understand it. We, we can't seem to, to break free from it on our own. But then Romans chapter 6, verses 17 through 20 says this, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness, you see that? Went from being slaves of sin to slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. We had no righteousness in us. Before we accepted Christ and died to our old way of life, we were living in sin. We had become slaves to sin, and our hearts grew more diseased each and every day. And you're probably thinking, I thought this was going to be a feel-good sermon. You were going to tell me about my new heart, and so far you're just reminding me of my old heart and the sin is in it and in my life. Get ready, because I'm about to lay some good news on you, folks. It's good news for the new year, if you will, and it all comes from God's Word. And so today, if you're a Christian, and by Christian I mean if you have chosen to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you chose to repent of your sins and die to your old life through baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, I have good news for you, and it starts with Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into, Jesus, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk 
in newness of life. You see, in order to walk in newness of life, you get a new heart. Let me break it down for you this way. New life equals a new heart. A new heart equals that we are a new person. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's our key verse for this series. As a matter of fact, I would like to encourage all of us to commit this verse to memory this month because you're going to hear it for the next few weeks. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I told you I was bringing you good news. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are made brand new and we have become slaves to righteousness. But wait, there's more. Look at the Old Testament. God was using the prophets to prepare his people for this way back then. Look at Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 through 20. Ezekiel says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. you a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel uh, 36, 26 through 27, sorry. Um, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jeremiah also had some things to say about that. He said hard things earlier, remember? Jeremiah was the one that made a stab, said our heart was deceitful and couldn't be understood. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 32. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, for I was their husband, declares the Lord. Church, family, and friends, God, through Jeremiah, has predicted the day of heart transplants long before the medical world knew it was possible. He knew what was coming for us. And you know what? Here's what he didn't say. He knew that we were going to have sin in our lives. He knew that we were going to go away. He knew that our, our heart was going to get clogged with sin, with our actions, with our desires, with, a, with our lust, with our anger, with, with all these things. And, and, and knowing that, you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, you wretched people, your hearts have grown weak and bitter against me, so I'm going to leave you to wallow in your own sin. He didn't say that. He didn't say we were hopeless. He didn't say we were a waste of time. He didn't say that we weren't worthy. He didn't say that we would have to buy our way back to him. He didn't say that he was just going to let us all go to hell. That's what he didn't say. He could have said all those things, but instead he said he would give us a gift, that he would give us new hearts, he would give us a new spirit. Of course, God was talking about our sin-diseased spiritual hearts, not physical hearts, but let me ask you this. Have you ever given someone a gift? Yeah, we just, Christmas just passed. We, we exchanged gifts. We remembered the gift of Jesus given to us from God. Have you ever given a gift to someone that you didn't like? Maybe you have. Was it the best gift you could give them? Maybe now I'm meddling. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've given them a gift. But have you ever given an amazing gift? to someone that you just couldn't stand, that you would consider an enemy? Have you given that person an amazing gift? Have you ever done that? 
If you have, I'd like to learn from you because I haven't, okay? <laughs> that person that every chance they got, they would just lash out at you maybe, mentally try to hurt you with the things they would say or the way they would act towards you. Have you ever given that person an amazing gift? We probably haven't done that. We're not that generous. But God is. Romans tells us that while we were still sinners, God sent the best gift ever in forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. He rewarded our betrayal with the gift of a new heart. Who else would do that? What other God would do that? They wouldn't. I'll tell you something about your preacher. I've studied other religions. I've looked for salvation. I've looked for new life in other gods. It's not there. It's not there. Only God, Yahweh, He is the only one that I could find that still loved me while I was dying to my sin. While I was so wrapped up in myself and my own sin, only God still loved me. Other gods of other religions wanted sacrifices from me when I studied them. They wanted money donated. That, that, that's, how it was, that's what they did. That's what they required. But here's how it was explained to me by Steve Randall many years ago. He said, John, you're a mess. He, he knew me fairly well. He said, your life's a mess. I'm glad you're coming to church. I'm glad you're starting to get involved, but you're a mess. Your life's a mess. He said, do you want to straighten it out? I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, you can't, not on your own. I was like, I've done everything on my own since I was 13. He said, yeah, but you can't do this on your own. I said, well, how much money do you need? He said, no. I had money back then. I had lots of money, more money than cents, as I like to say. And uh, I said, how much money do you need or, or what, what is it that I can give that I can, you know? And he said, no, your money's no good here. And then he explained to me how God loves me in that moment in my life with all my messes, with all my baggage. He explained to me that in spite of my hardened heart against God, in spite of my poor choices, that God loved me and wanted a relationship with me. That while I was sinning, God loved me and that he would forgive me. He explained to me that God would make me new that he would give me a new heart and a new life. Now, here's what you need to understand about this whole conversation with myself and Steve Randall. I didn't really trust him all that much at the time. Uh, he was a preacher. He had his life all together. <laughs> he didn't, but I just thought he did because I was new to all this. And, and I was like, oh, that's, that's easy for you to say, Steve. You're, you've done all this, and you've got a family that loves you and that you love, and they adore you, and I'm doing all this stuff. And I didn't, I didn't trust him. So I went to the only people I did trust at that time. I went to Max and Roosevelt Haven, and I asked them. I said, hey, is what Steve said to me, is this all true? And we talked through that. Uh, and Max said, yeah, it's true, but not because Steve said it. He said, it's, it's true because the Bible said it. And then he went back, and Max showed me through Scripture basically the things I've shared with you today. <laughs> he showed me where the things that Steve said was actually in the Bible. Read his scripture and said, that's no good. You should turn back to me. Get this story of me. Without that being the case, I would not have trusted you. You and I have a heart problem. We've had our old hearts of sin taken out by Christ, and He has given us new hearts and a new spirit. And I heard this illustration. I thought it was interesting. And you can nitpick it a little bit if you want to, but don't tell me, okay? Because I know we can overthink anything. But at its core, I think this is a great illustration to, to our God. And, and there, the, the, the statement is this. God has only gotten his hands dirty twice. The first is when he knelt down, scooped up the dirt, and created Adam. And the second is when he allowed men 
to pound dirty, rusty nails into his hands on the cross to save us. And when Christ did this, he made it possible for us to have a brand new chance in life. When Christ did this, the old is gone. He made it possible for the old to be gone and the new to come. We are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We're no longer walking in darkness. We're walking in the light. We're no longer walking in the flesh, pleasing our earthly appetites, but we are walking in the spirit. We're no longer putting ourselves first, but instead we're putting Christ first in his kingdom. God has done radical surgery on our hearts. If you're a Christian, he's done radical surgery on your heart. He hasn't revamped it. He hasn't refurbished it. Refurbished is a, is, is a great word when you're buying an iPad or a phone or a stereo system or a TV because it means that someone bought it brand new. They had it for a little while. Something broke. They sent it back and it got new pieces. And so now it's refurbished. It's like new. It's not remodeled. That's not what God gave us. He gave us a totally absolute brand new heart. He's taken away the heart of stone filled with selfishness and he's given us this heart of flesh, a soft and pliable heart, a new heart that should be filled with love and kindness because of the precious Holy Spirit living in us. Galatians 5, through 24 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it clears out with this, against such things there is no law. When you're living within those things, we don't need the law. When you have Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in your life. It outshines the law. Verse 24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So let me ask you a question. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? If you do, I hope you've taken the steps, the actions to crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires. This is the new life that we now enjoy in Christ because we have a new heart, God's spirit living in us. We have all new desires. We have, and the new desires sure make life more pleasant. My new desires are way better than my old desires for myself and for everyone that's around me because old John was selfish and angry and bitter and ugly. And now... We still have to fight those fleshly desires. Make no mistake. We have to fight selfish motives because we still live in this body and this body lives in this world and this world has been stained by sin. But praise God, it no longer rules over us like it did before. Amen? Amen. We still sin. We still have to confess our sins to God, but praise God, we are forgiven when we do that. When the tin man in the Wizard of Oz got his heart, he was happy. He was finally made whole. Uh, the sad thing is he was just given a plastic heart and he even said, listen, it ticks. <laughs> Your heart's not plastic. It's real and it, and it doesn't tick. It beats with the love of Jesus inside it. Church family, we broke God's heart when we sinned against him. And when we sin against God, it leaves us empty and not whole. When we sin against God, our heart becomes selfish and diseased when we choose to sin. The wizard gave the ten men back a plastic heart, but our God gave us a new heart. A new heart that loves, a new heart that forgives, a new heart that desires to serve, a new heart that cares, a new heart that should reflect him to others, a new heart that is filled with joy, a new heart that is gentle, a new heart that is kind, a new heart that, with the help of the Holy Spirit, is learning to control 
our thoughts and our tongue and our actions. That's what a new heart gives us. A heart led by God's Holy Spirit is a new heart indeed. And I saved the best for last, by the way. Because we ask God for a heart transplant. Because we've crucified our old life and buried it in baptism. Then we have been given a brand new heart. We've been given God's Holy Spirit to come to live within us. That's what Acts 2.38 says. When you repent for the forgiveness of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Then we're no longer objects of God's wrath. We are highly favored children. I'd much rather be that description standing before God. We're no longer uh, objects of God's wrath. We have been brought near to God through Jesus Christ with our new heart. We are now hidden in Christ. When we stand before God, Jesus stands before us. We are hidden in Christ. We are holy and blameless in His sight. We are redeemed. We are justified. We are sanctified. We've been raised up with Christ. We are sealed. We are blessed. We have victory over our sin with a new heart. We are beloved. We are chosen. We have no condemnation before God. The best part about a new heart, with my new heart, I am who God says I am. I am no longer who the world says I am. With your new heart, you are who God says you are. You're no longer defined by what you did last week or last year or 20 years ago. You are defined by being made new in Jesus Christ, and you need to live that way. If we're in Christ, then God says all these things about us that I just mentioned, and even more, and praise God as we start a new year, we can live this out in our lives. We have a new heart. We have a new spirit living in us. Today, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need a new heart. It's that simple. Your old heart, spiritually, is sick and dying, and only Christ can give you a new heart. But, like the tin man, you must desire a new heart. You must desire a new life. It's like the tin man went to the only person, the only one who could give him a new heart was the wizard. The only one who can give you a new heart is Jesus. Because only he can give you a new heart. Only he can give you that heart transplant that we need. So as we come to our response time this morning, will you stand and sing our response song with us and think about your life, past, present, and future. Think about your heart. Is it time for a new heart? Is it time to rededicate or renew your heart? If that's the case, the elders are here. They'd love to come and pray with you and share with you. Consider those things as we sing our response song and respond to God's word accordingly.